Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Man, we could go home now and we had church. But I do have a word from the Lord for you this morning. And uh, I want to get right into that. Just want to mention again the 21 day fast begins tomorrow morning. And uh, we're going to be going, we'll break it in three weeks on Sunday night right after the, the uh, business meeting. Uh, I've said we always break it after the business meeting, and that guarantees we have short meetings because I will, I will be anticipating my first meal. So, uh, and I have been storing up reserves. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I was having a hard time finding clothes that fit. So, uh, but I'm excited about this fast. I'm excited about this year. And uh, this is going to be a good year. And I don't just say that because we just left a really challenging one. I'm telling you, this is going to be a good year. It is a good time to be in the kingdom. I, I, this, this thought just keeps rolling into my heart. God chose the times and places in which men should live. And for some reason, God saw fit that you should be born in such a chaotic hour in human history. You are up to the task. You are custom made for this moment. You were made for this. It's going to be good. All right, let's get into the word this morning. Uh, yesterday, we were up in uh, or down in Burlington. We did a 12-hour prayer burn. Uh, there were some of you there. It was a fun time with our family in Burlington. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of believers and churches down there that are hungry for a move of God. And so we... We, uh, we're partnering with them. We just want to get behind them and push. And so we've been, you know, sometimes going down there and just kind of shoveling some coal in their furnace. And so yet last, yesterday we had a 12-hour prayer burn. During that time, uh, the Lord just spoke to me something that I believe of you. And so I'm going to share that with you in a moment. Before we get there, I'm going to hang it on a chapter in Scripture. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. This is the story of a man of God that Jesus himself called a prophet. And it was a prophet who doubted his own prophetic word. You ever been there? You ever given a word and then you're like, oh man, I'll risk and now I'm going to regret it. it uh, this was the story of a prophet who doubted his own prophetic word. It was a man, it was a man dealing with a course that is required in the school of the Spirit for every man and woman of God. If you haven't gone through this scenario, just wait, you will. Because it is a required course in the school of the Spirit. If you want the credentials, I'm not talking about credentials given by man. I'm talking about the credentials from heaven to be used by him in a significant way. You will go through this course. And the course I'm talking about is disappointment. We as the children of God must learn to navigate disappointment. Some of you have heard me say this was a number of years ago and uh, it was, I, you know, the wonderful thing about walking with Jesus is you remember the truth you get out of it. You forget the trial that made you need that truth. 
So you forget the pain, but you remain with the treasure. And uh, I, I, we were going through something. And I remember one day I just cried out to the Lord. It wasn't something I thought. It just kind of came up out of my spirit. And I was a little surprised I said it. And I said, Lord, I'm disappointed and disillusioned. I thought I had an appointment and it was built on an illusion. And I thought, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Disappointment comes from thinking we have an appointment that doesn't materialize. Sometimes that appointment is down the road. Sometimes it's right away and we just, we, we've, we've gotten ahead of God and we've interpreted some things beyond what he intended. Whatever it is, disappointment is a crucial lesson for us, to, it's a crucial test for us to pass in the school of the spirit. Now, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to jump in here. We're going to buzz through this, and then I'm going to read you what the Lord told me yesterday. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, and Lord, that you would encourage us, strengthen us, and do your work. And Father, I'm asking that you break off the residue of disappointment. Lord, that those whose Hopes have been dashed and are struggling under the load of cynicism. Lord, I ask that you'd lift it off them, break it off. Lord, even as I'm preaching this morning, God, that those spirits that try to afflict their mind and reduce them down to low expectations so that they won't be hurt again. Lord, I'm asking, God, that you'd break that off and that we would dream again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse two, looks at what it says here. Looks, look at what it says. I'll tell you what, I'm a little, I feel a little loopy up here this morning. I don't know what you were feeling, but I could have just laid out and just soaked for a couple hours. Just lock the door when you leave, I'll go home later. Verse two, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the, good, the poor have good news preached to them. And then he adds this strange statement, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What an interesting thing to add on to this testimony service. John is in prison. Now, John is Jesus' cousin. John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. He was bearing witness to, the, to Jesus before he was even out of his mama's belly. Jesus comes, or Mary comes in the room, and John starts jumping around. Woo, woo, woo. And he follows that up with an introduction to Jesus. He was the one that really launched Jesus' ministry. John leveraged his credibility, and by the Spirit of God, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He was the one who introduced Jesus, and in so doing, diminished his own ministry. And you know what? John was a man of God. He was okay with that. His disciples weren't. They struggled with that. They, and they started complaining to John, Hey, John, we built this ministry, and our newsletter's losing subscribers. Our Facebook has gone down in likes, and I noticed that a lot of them are showing up on Jesus' page. And John said, That's okay. I must decrease that he might increase. John was okay with that. John was a man of God. 
John was a man who heard from God. He was a prophet. By Jesus' own words in this passage, he was a prophet. But now John finds himself in a circumstance he did not anticipate. He was a victim of his own ministry. He was now suffering for standing for righteousness. And he was sentenced to prison. And in the darkness of prison, those doubts began to eat away at his mind, those, those voices of doubt, and, and uh, he began to succumb to that. And so one day on the visitation day at the prison, when his disciples came to see him, the, the few that were still with him, he said, listen, guys, I need you to do me a favor. The next time Jesus is having a service around your area, sneak into the back row at that church and try to corner him afterwards, and I need you to ask him a question. Are you really the one? Or should we be looking for another? It's an amazing thing that John the Baptist, who was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb, was doubting his own prophetic word. And not just any prophetic word, he was actually doubting the messianic nature of Jesus' ministry. He was wondering, is Jesus really the Christ? That's a pretty big doubt, okay? So I want to I wanna comfort you this morning. Some of you are struggling with disappointment and doubts. It ain't as big a doubt as John was dealing with. John was struggling. And so he sends his disciples and they corner Jesus after the service and they ask him, hey, John, we're disciples of John. We've been following his ministry. And uh, he sent us to tell, ask you, are you really the one? Or should we be looking for another? And Jesus answers him with testimonies. Hey, go tell him this. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And then he adds this. The dead are raised up and the good news, and, uh, and then the poor have good news preached to them. What Jesus was doing is pulling from two passages. He answers with the word. Pulls from two passages out of Isaiah, Isaiah 34, and then Isaiah 61, the big messianic prophecy. And he attributes this messianic promise to himself. He said, listen, tell him that I'm preaching the good news to the poor. And I can imagine John's getting excited. Now, I don't know how schooled John's disciples were in the word, but I know John knew the word. And I know that John knew Isaiah because one time they cornered John and they, the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they cornered John and they said, John, are you the Christ? He said, no, no, I'm not. The, are you Elijah to come? He said, no, no, no. They said, who are you? And he quotes a verse out of Isaiah. This is a man who had spent time in the word, in the scroll, on his iPhone, however, he, he, was, he was studying the word. And at some point in his quiet time with the Lord, a scripture jumped off the page and he knew this sense of destiny. The anointing fell on him, this sense of destiny. And he knew, oh my goodness, this passage is speaking about me. There will be the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. Can you imagine that? When John was reading the word and all of a sudden he knew this prophecy from centuries earlier from one of the most famous prophets in Israel's history and it dawns on him, he gets this revelation, 
I'm the one. That's amazing. Yes, exactly. Because that is our blood-bought heritage. We can find ourselves in the Word. Matter of fact, had John spent a little more time in a different book, he could have answered that question differently, and the answer would have sustained him in his hour of darkness. Because they asked him, are you the Elijah to come? And he said, no, I'm not the Elijah to come. It was referring to the last few paragraphs of the Old Testament in Malachi that said, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, I will send, my, the, uh, I will send Elijah. And John, in reading that, didn't recognize himself in that, but Jesus did. And Jesus attributed that passage to John. And had John understood that, his moments in prison could have been strengthened by that revelation. Because it's one thing to be a voice in the wilderness, it's another thing to be an Elijah who confronts kings and comes under the oppression of a king and a Jezebel queen. And that's exactly what happened to John. John had stuck his bony prophetic finger in the face of the king and his illegitimate wife and she had a beef with him and that's why he was in prison. And had John understood that he was the Elijah to come, he could have saw the template. Oh, I'm on track. I'm living out my calling. (laughs) Sometimes God has the very thing you need to encourage you, but you miss it because you don't get in the Word. Sometimes the situation that is rocking your world would be illuminated by you just opening the book. But rather than going to the Lord for answers, we complain and, you know, whine. I'm preaching to myself too. Yeah, I know. We we won't stop here. We'll, We'll end on a high note this morning. But seriously, we need to learn to find answers in the word. I'm telling you, the first few years of my walk with the Lord... I was so fragile and broken. I came off the streets. I was totally dependent on alcohol. I couldn't talk to people without being inebriated. And when I got saved, I remember saying, God, this is great. I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to be a mute till I get there. I would just sit and and I'd start getting anxiety attacks. I'd look like I had Parkinson's because I would start shaking. My voice would crack. I'd feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin. I'd avoid social circles. And I was so tempted to just take a drink to to relieve that, just take the edge off. And I decided I'm never going to do that again. But then I was left with this anxiety and I thought I'll be a mute till I get there. And I was going to this Bible school and the professor got up one time. Now, you got to understand, this was a Bible institute of 14 students. I mean, it's not like there's a big crowd. But he he said, I want everybody to get a message, and I'm going to pick on you someday. I'm just going to, you got to be in season and out season, in and out of season, and I'm going to just tell you when it's your turn. Oh my goodness. God gave me this message out of of the story of Samson. It was, it was like fire in my bones. I would preach it to myself. I'd, I'd get alone with the Lord and just preach it to the air. It was just burning in me, but I would get in that classroom and I would just shake out anxiety. 
And so I would steal away into the baptistry between classes, and I would just cry out to the Lord. And I'm telling you, God made the word of God come alive to me. There were times where I'd be reading the word, and it would just jump off the page, and I knew this was written for me. You can read it too, but I'm telling you, God wrote it for me. And it sustained me. There were times where I'd be praying and all of a sudden I'd be quoting scriptures I didn't know were in there. Later on, I'd find them. And the one, the one that really sustained me during that time is out of my spirit, as I was just crying out to the Lord, I began to say, my God is a rock and they who put their trust in him shall never be put to shame. My God is a rock and they who put their trust in him shall never be put to shame. And that thing became life to me. And I knew the Lord was telling me, I will not allow you to get up there until you are ready. I will not let you be put to shame as long as you put your trust in me. That guy never called on me to preach. Everybody else preached and he never did call on me. He and I have had many conversations about that since then. He said, I can't believe I didn't call on you. But the Lord knew I wasn't ready. And conversely, there have been times where I have been put to shame in the pulpit, but it's because I wasn't trusting in the Lord, and that's another story. But if we will trust in the Lord, he will never let us be put to shame. And that thing became a strength to me. It was a principle that became life. That, but it was in the crisis. God will speak to us in the crisis if we'll press in and look for his answers. So, John sends word to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He gives testimonies out of Scripture, that bear uh, witness to his messianic calling. But then he adds to it, and blessed are those who are not offended. Isn't that a weird thing to add, have at the end of a testimony service? All right, let's get up and have testimonies. And people get up and, I was healed of this, and I was healed of that, and I was delivered of this, and I was... And then at the end, okay, now let's pray for everyone who was offended by that. But I'm telling you, there is a place in God, in your journey with God, where testimonies can rub you wrong, where the victory of others will actually cause an offense in your own heart if you don't posture your heart right. It's one thing to hear about all the good things happening in someone's life. It's an entirely other thing to hear about all the good things happening in someone's life while you're doing time for the gospel. And then Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, and he stops short of the promise that John really needed in that moment. See, I'm, I think John leaned in when he started quoting Isaiah 61. John leaned in. Okay, here comes the line about releasing the captives, setting the prisoner free. <laughs> and he's leaning in, and he stops. And then he said, oh, by the way, he said, don't be offended. Boom. Because the very promise John needed was not included in the message he delivered from Jesus. Blessed is he who is not offended. And there are times when the, the testimony of other people can actually tempt us with frustration and bitterness and disappointment towards God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that those who pass that test receive credentials to help others in this hour. I was telling the group yesterday about, I'll, I'll never forget the, the night Renee Norgard got healed. It was amazing. How many of you were here? 
See, there was a few. Roger, what, how, how long before it happened did you leave? I shouldn't even do that. That's cruel. They went to Village Inn to get pie. Hey, it was like 11 at night, okay? It was late. To their credit, it was late. These guys are fake. But hey, I'm just telling you, the greatest miracles happened late in the night. It was amazing. We were back here. Renee came in that night in her wheelchair. She had been in a car wreck and she had this degenerative nerve damage to the point now where she couldn't even lift her head. Her wheelchair was a reclining wheelchair and she couldn't sit up. Her hands had atrophied. And she would just lay like this and they'd reel her in. But she heard that Leif was coming, Leif Hetland, and she said, I'm going there. And she told her caretaker that the day before, she said, the lady would come in and bathe her and she said, hey, one of these days, you're going to knock on the door to bathe me, and I'm going to answer the door, and I'm going to take you out for ice cream because Jesus is going to heal me. Wow. And the lady's like, oh, that's nice, yeah. <laughs> and lo and behold, the next time she shows up, Renee opens the door. We're going for ice cream. It was amazing. Wow. I mean, Renee, Renee's back there. She's laying down in that wheelchair, and uh, no, really it was up here. It, it started right up here. And uh, she had answered the altar call because Leif had preached on overcoming the uh, orphan spirit, that feeling like God has abandoned me. It's what John was going through in prison. And so she came up, not for healing, but to just confess that, man, I feel like God's abandoned me and let God do a work in her heart. And then we went into healing and Leif was over there praying for her. And someone said, hey, pastor, you need to get over here. Look at what Renee's doing. And she's lifting her hand and kind of opening her hand. And to be honest, I thought, you know, yeah, it's awesome, but I wasn't real impressed. I know, I'm just confessing, okay? Don't look at me that way. Man, I felt judgment. It uh, touched not mine anointed. No, I'm just kidding. It, uh, so she's lifting her hand and stretching it. And uh, she says, I want to walk. She's, they, they set her up. And she's, she's still very frail. Matter of fact, that she had told her doctor, Jesus is going to heal me. And he said, honey, that would be awesome. But it would literally take months of physical therapy for you to ever walk because your muscles are gone. They're atrophied. She said, I want to walk. So they sat up and Leif put his arms out and she put her arms on his like this and he's kind of holding her up but she starts rising and she's bearing a little bit of weight on her legs and kind of shaking and we're like, now we're freaking out. Okay, now I'm impressed, oh me of little faith. And so she starts walking down this aisle and the, the sanctuary is about half this size back then and uh, they start following her with the wheelchair and she's walking and she gets down the aisle. So it was probably, you know, just probably about from where Roger's sitting, maybe a little farther back and uh, stops and she's exhausted. She sits down and Leif said, oh, he said, hey, honey, listen, healing is often progressive. So just, just keep believing. He was done. We thought we were done. And she looks with fire in her eyes. She said, I want to walk again. I just need a rest. We're like, okay. And so Leif is praying for her, puts his hand on her leg. He said, Dave, put your hand on her leg. Feel this. I put my hand on her. You could feel electricity. Okay, it didn't, there was no sound, okay? I don't want to embellish things, but I'm telling you, I could feel electricity, okay? And in my mind, it went, okay? And so she got up again, and Leif grabbed her hands, and, put her, and she pushed Leif away, took a few feeble steps, and took off running. And she started running around the sanctuary. 
the little kids, the little kids and the spiritual people who were left. I'm just kidding, Roger. <laughs> no, the little kids. The little kids and those who were left, we were balling. The little kids were chasing her around the sanctuary. She's up in the balcony coming down the stairs. We're, it was amazing. It was awesome. And so I told her, I said, listen, Renee, tomorrow morning you need to go over to the E-Free Church. That's where mom and dad attended. I said, go over there and give your testimony about what Jesus did in your life. And I said, then get over here. And I'm telling you, when she walked into worship that morning, we were halfway through worship, and when she came running down the aisle, spinning and danced down here, let, let's just say worship was fairly lively that morning. <laughs> I mean, people went wild. It was, it was so, the, the rejoicing in the house. And I'll never forget. Here's, I'm standing on the front row, and she's off to my right dancing, but off to my left is my daughter in a wheelchair. And I don't understand that. But I'm not going to get offended over that. I'm not going to take offense that God healed Renee and hasn't yet healed Elisa. And we've got we've to be careful. Because the enemy will come and begin to torment us and say, hey, oh, that, that's great, blind eyes, see and deaf here, but what about the prisoner being set free? And Jesus declares a unique, specific blessing on those who refuse to be offended. I think it's significant if you read on in the story. It says, as they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd. And I believe it was really for them. He was, he was talking to the crowd, but it was so they'd overhear. And he said this, what did you come out to see? Was it a reed swaying in the wind? said, no, you came out to see a man who was the greatest among women, uh, 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 men born among women. He was, what Jesus was literally doing was declaring he was the greatest man of the old covenant. What a gracious thing for the Lord to say about a man who just questioned his entire ministry. This man who's doubting that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus understood the darkness he was struggling with in that prison cell. And Jesus didn't say, don't be like John, a guy who doubts his own prophetic words. He released a word and now he's doubting it. He didn't say that. He said, there's not a greater man born among women. He said, a true prophet that was doubting his own word, but he was a true prophet. And Jesus had grace for him. And I believe that Jesus said that for them because they went back to John and they delivered this shattering news. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. The, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And John's leaning in, waiting for the deliverance to the captives. And he stops and says, and oh, by the way, he said, blessed are you if you're not offended by his ministry. Oh, John, we almost forgot to tell you. When we were walking away, we heard him start to talk about you to the crowd. And you know what he said? He said, you're the greatest man that was ever born among women. He called you a true prophet, John. The Lord has compassion on us in our disappointment, 
in our struggles, in our wavering, in our faith. Now those of you that really know me behind the scenes know part of where I'm going with this. This whole thing of where our nation is going, where the election is going, all of this, I still believe the word of the Lord. That's what I'm holding on to. People have asked me and, and chided me and out of real concern. And I told them, hey, listen, I'm like David in that when Nathan prophesied the death of his little baby, he prayed until the last breath. And then rather going into despair, got up, took a shower, went and ate. Let's move on. Let's find out what the Lord has for us next. My hopes are not hung on some external circumstance. It's in him. And I go into what I believe is my interpretation of what he's told me, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to lean in, and I'm going to lay down my life to see it fulfilled. However, if like John, when I prophesy he's the Messiah, and the application of that message isn't what I thought it was going to be, it's okay. I'm going to enter into the blessing of not being offended. There is a special blessing for those who have not been offended. I want to close with this. I want to read you something here. This is, as I was standing on the side at the, the prayer burn on uh, yesterday, the Lord ministered this thought to me, and I just wrote it down. Posts for ship masts were harvested from coastal timber. This is because it had developed under the resistance of the uninhibited gale force winds coming off the ocean. It had lived its life reaching for the sky while continually battling the wind's attempt to push it down. The pressure it developed under prepared it for its destiny. It has been uniquely qualified by opposition to now harness the very force that it attempted to uproot it. The very power that would snap others in half was now leveraged to push forth precious cargo through the water. And the Lord began to talk to me about, he didn't start with that passage on Matthew 11. He started with that thought. And I looked around the room and there were a number of people I knew their history. And the Lord began to speak to me that some of these, the reason that they didn't receive the breakthrough they so longed to have was because it was actually preparation. You can put it this way. Some, some trees, you know, we, we aspire to be carved into a beautiful cabinet that others can enjoy and admire. And instead, we're out there in the wind being pushed on all the time. And I believe there's people that have been hidden and God has withheld the very breakthrough that you've longed for. And you've passed the test because you're still here. You're still going after it. Now, I'm not to say that you don't need something broke off of you this morning. We're going to do that in a minute. But you're still here this morning. You're still going after him. And there are some of you the reason you didn't receive your breakthrough is not because there's something about you that's wrong. It's because there's something abundantly right 
And he was saving you for this crucial moment in human history. You are uniquely qualified to help others in their disappointment because you've learned how to navigate it. Those trees, they're constantly reaching towards the sky while the resistance tries to take their gaze off the sky. And it strengthens you. Past disappointments are often interpreted as proof of one's inadequacy. They are filed in our minds as rejection letters from God. But your past denials have actually qualified you for this very hour to stand when others bow under the weight of oppression. Those who have endured tremendous disappointment and still came out holding to the conviction, God is good, are uniquely qualified to lead in this hour of chaos and disinformation. See, disappointment, disillusionment is based on a misinterpretation of your appointment. It's based on an illusion. At some level, we buy into disinformation, but our heart is right. And if you've passed the test and gone through those circumstances and you still come out, God, I don't understand this, but I know this, you are good. Your reject, the, the, the rejection letters that you filed in your mind as proof of your inadequacies are actually certification. It's the credentials. Take them back out. It's the credentials of your calling in this hour. Those disappointments, denials, and the thwarting of your desires were actually the required courses to prepare you for such a time as this. You have been qualified. Those painful past experiences that failed were required courses for your certification. Worship in the midst of crushing disappointment is the required credential of this present hour. Let me say it again. Worship in the midst of crushing disappointment. And some of you have been through some things. There has been crushing disappointment in your life. We are launching into a very chaotic season in America. We really are. I'm saying that smiling. I can't help myself. Okay? I'm telling you, the church's finest hour is right out. We are at the threshold of the finest. We were made for this. We weren't made for placid times. We were made custom fit. I'm going to tell you, let me, let me just add a little nuance to Heartland. Guys, we are called to be a house of war. We are a people of war. And our worship this morning, some of you, and I understand, some of you are thinking, well, you know, can they get done with this now? Are we going to sing this again? We're going to do that? I'm telling you, that is the purpose of us being here. We are here moving things in the spirit. This isn't just a, a precursor so then we can get to the word. That is doing church. Remember Bob Phillips, the first time he came to preach here, Bob, we ended up hiring Bob to run our school, tremendous man of God. He was a co-founder of Times Square Church with David Wilkerson. I just so miss Bob. First time he came, he told me after the service, he said, Dave, he said, it's going to get intense here in worship. 
And he said, you guys are going to begin to move into declarations. You'll declare things from the platform that you'll read about in the newspaper and hear on the news in the, the days following. And then he said this. He said, and I'm, I'm just telling you, it's going to be too intense for some people. Don't let that be you. Let God leverage who you are. Your past adversities were to strengthen you for this moment. And God is looking for those he can plant right along the edge and withstand the wind, the opposition. That can stand boldly in this time. We're not going to be uprooted. We're not going to bend. We're still going to stretch towards heaven. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.